Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we got a very special episode. We're doing a little crossover action, a little feet over feet on the ice here with Sharks expert Eric Landy of Teal Town USA. Welcome, Eric. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, Randon. How about you? Oh man, it's been a it's been a while since we talked, and I'm doing great. You know, having my c- cup of Joe, you know, right here, and. Uh, and just you know, trying trying to wake up before the Niners play uh, in the afternoon. So not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. Hockey's just around the corner. Finished last preseason game last night for the Kings. I don't know when did the, is the Sharks done with the preseason? Uh, the Sharks started their global series on Friday evening. Uh, well, it's actually Friday, eleven a.m. on uh, PST. But yeah, they uh, start the season early with the National Predators, so they have the two quick games set over in Czech Republic, and then we will start the uh, the home season on Friday, and uh, it'll be a good tilt against uh, the Carolina Hurricanes with uh, Burnsy returning um, at the tank. So it should be a good one. Um, and it'll be our third regular season game. So we've kind of got some of the questions out of the way already, which is good for me because it kind of uh, st- uh, kind of was a transition over from um, preseason. And we've got the roster set um, from there. So it uh, gives you a little bit better idea of what the roster is going to take shape like. Um, and again, cool to represent um, San Jose and Northern California out in Czech Republic. So. Yeah, it's so weird though when that happens, right? It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like regular season yet, but it is regular season, you know, because it, it's yeah, it's, it's like almost like there. a pre-series, pre-season series kind of thing, you know. That's kind of how I how I look at it. But it did give us some answers, um, and you know, it, it did kind of show where the direction of the organization is because I think y- you'll see when we go through the um, through the update and preview, it, it things have changed. So. Well, we're going to be talking all things Sharks and Kings, kind of have the preseason going on, expectations, what biggest news stories. Obviously, Sharks, longtime rival, so we want to know what's going on up north. Stay tuned to find out. Here we go. Thank you for all your listeners coming in here. I know it's early on the West Coast, getting your fantasy lineups ready to go, having your coffee with us as well. But let's talk some hockey. Landy, you were on here last year talking about expectations, and and you were very skeptical. You know, a lot of stuff that needed to go right for the Sharks. Obviously, they did not go right for the Sharks uh, with the standings. But overall, how did last season go for you? What is the what is the temperature with among Sharks fans? Maybe as the the change in the guard is about to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think last season is kind of what we expected. Uh, The team had uh, a lot of uh, roster commitments to older players um, and a lot of uh, money tied up in the defense. So, of course, going into this season, there was going to need to be some changing of the guard, um, needed to be some freeing up of the cap. Um, So, yeah, there were some major changes implemented. And I guess the first we can go over is just the regime change, right? You had um, Doug Wilson going out with medical reasons uh, halfway through last year. Um, And really, I think once that happened, it kind of put the whole team kind of in limbo. Uh, You know, I think the, the 
um, interim general manager, that was Joe Will, did a good job of doing a lot of interviews and highlighting uh, new candidates that would be great for a GM position. And Mike Greer, you know, happened to one out um, in the offseason for that position. And, um, you know, for me, it does signal the changing of the guard. So in respect to what I expected from last season, you know, I expected a team that was going to be plucky, maybe something that was going to, um, you know, be five or six points out of a wild card, you know, kind of um, putting up a little bit of a fight, but honestly not really expecting much. And they kind of ended up right about where I expected, right? Um, you know, a team that's going to probably lose – um, at least, you know, 40 games or so, um, you know, maybe hover around that 500 or just below that 500 mark. Um, and that's absolutely what we got last year. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, they have the talent there, obviously with Timo Meyer and, and the, the, those guys to win a few games here and there, the goaltending was going to be spotted. We knew that was a big thing, you know, so, you know, it seemed like a team that could win some games, you know, take steal some wins, steal some points, but really didn't have that full momentum going forward. Uh, Carter Scores coming in here. He's a longtime Kings fan, always on the, on the pod here. Let's start with his first question. Do you wish the Sharks could take back the Carlson contract? You know, it's at, at this point, we've seen what the returns are from Ottawa and, and what those players ended up being. And it ended up being Tim Stutzla and um, Josh Norris going the other way and up Chris Tierney. Um, three very good pieces. Um, one being a, a prospect that's probably now got a high 2A type center um, in, in Josh Norris and um, you know, one B one a type winger in Tim Stutzla. And you've looked at what the, the output of that contract has been with Eric Carlson as a shark, and it just hasn't lived up to, to the money. And, um, again, you know, this was a player that the sharks didn't even play ball on contract wise. They told him he was going to be the, the number one highest paid defenseman. There wasn't really any kind of negotiation or any kind of extended um, talk about, you know, how the structure was going to fit into the salary cap. So, you know, when you pay a guy 11 and a half million dollars, um, it's going to take up quite a bit of resources on the cap and that's going to necessitate moves to be made. So that Eric Carlson contract had a direct ripple effect on, um, you know, keeping Pavelski here. If you were going to keep Pavelski or Evander Kane, and we know how that saga ended up, um, you know, we lost a Jonas Donskoy and we also lost a Gus Nyquist. You know, those, those were direct cap casualties because of Eric Carlson. Um, and, and I think most Sharks fans will tell you that he hasn't been worth the price of admission. Um, and, and I, and I feel for the guy because there has been some, um, you know, some freak injuries that have come along the way. Um, but I also, I, I, sometimes I question the commitment level. Sometimes I commit, uh, you know, I question the, um, you know, the, the willingness to give it all when you're, when you're down a couple of, of, of goals, you know, and, and just, he seems like a guy that um, if things are not working his way um, can, can kind of pout a little bit and, and can kind of be a guy who doesn't look to push through adversity at times, you know, looks, looks like a guy that's comfortable out there to me. And um, 
again, I think just hasn't lived up to to expectations and to billing uh, of what he was supposed to be. So I think if you polled most Sharks fans, they would say yes, um, they'd like to take that contract back. Um, but you're kind of stuck with it now. And I don't think that there's any way you can move that at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a it seemed like a kind of a desperation move to stay relevant, similar to what the Kings did with uh, Kovalchuk. Obviously, easier out, you know, when you're not paying Kovalchuk eight years or seven years or whatever, you know, you can kind of move on from that. And it seems like the Sharks would like to, but they can't. Um, let's get into the new regime, like you brought up, right? You, you look in the draft; they're they're kind of seeming to look towards the future. They're trying to move as much contracts as they can. Obviously, longtime Shark Burns you know, moved, they ate some of his contract. They're trying to do as much as they can to move forward. But, you know, they traded back in the draft to occur more draft picks, ended up drafting Philip Bystead out of uh, Lincoln Ping uh, in Sweden. You know, it seems like they're trying to move forward and, and gather the pipeline and, and really start to do what the Kings were doing and making some moves by moving out some contracts when they can, not really trying to force anything. Is that kind of accurate in, in your opinion? I think that the work had already kind of started and this, this all started maybe a couple of years ago, two or three years ago when Doug Wilson jr. Took over the, um, the prime scouting uh, director role uh, with the sharks. You saw their, them have a change in the type of player that they wanted to go and select in the draft more towards a skill type forward with high ceiling and uh, you know, boomer, but more boomer bust type picks, more explosive type picks. Um, and we're just starting to see the trickles of that come in. I mean, um, Eklund and Bordalo um, were part of the old regime's uh, 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 draft. So I think you're seeing a continuation of that with uh, Mike Greer and his staff. And, and the way in which they're selecting players um, is more geared toward the future, like you had said. I think that there's now maybe a little bit more emphasis in total roster construction on veteran type players um, because the guys that we thought were going to compete for jobs in camp uh, ended up not getting those jobs or ended up having a veteran kind of placed in front of them. And we'll get to it in the specific rosters in a second. But, you know, I think the team has really kind of moved away from pressing young kids into um, positions where they need to excel for the Sharks to succeed and instead kind of shelter them and the Barracuda and the minor leagues uh, before coming up and being actually ready uh, to join the Sharks. So I, I think that there's been more of an emphasis placed upon um, the the individual players progressing to a point where they'll be able to succeed in the NHL before they're being placed in the NHL, if that makes any sense. No, it, it does make sense. I, uh, patience has been the, the key word for, for Rob Blake. I mean, almost to a point of over uh, saturation, if you will, and some, in some eyes of Kings fans, uh, we're, we're getting a, a complete opposite of that this year with Brant Clark making the roster and, and at least getting his cup of coffee with nine games now, with this new regime moving forward, this next question comes in. Do you think Timo Meyer is going to be a $10 million guy, or do you think they move on from him and, and accrue as many picks as they possibly can? Timo Meyer is interesting because he's a player that you can probably build around, um, you know, and, and a player that um, 
is, is a good foundational piece on, on most teams in the league. So you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, he's going to be, I think 26, um, you know, come signing this contract and, you know, the team's going to have to make the decision. Do they want to make an eight year commitment to a, a Timo Meyer going forward? I think the, the obvious question or the obvious answer is yes, they need to extend him and they need to sign him, um, you know, to keep uh, at least the talent that they have on the roster kind of intact at this point. But like you said, you have that $10 million qualifying offer and by, you know, setting up the contract structure in the way that it is, you know, we're, we're looking at least, I'd say seven and a half million to get the, the, the um conversation conversation started um i think it starts at seven and a half over you know let's say eight years you know or or maybe even like a an eight by eight type deal for 64 mil um but it's going to be something north of seven and a half million aav i would think um the you're going to have to sign this contract before the cap goes up so you're going to also have to worry about how much he's going to take um, out of the 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 mix for the rest of the forwards. Um, but this is a guy, I mean, again, these types of forwards don't grow on trees. And, you know, 31 other teams would be happy to sign him. So, you know, I don't think it's it's not, let's say, as, as uh, huge a mistake if you were going to make that decision to sign him as an Eric Carlson because he's younger and because he's got, you know, a little bit more of a track record of consistency. But I mean, we said the same thing when Eric Carlson came to the Sharks and, you know, he had years of, of Norse trophy winning, you know, he had um, great offensive statistics and things like that. So it just goes to show you really don't know um, about players in general and hockey, I think is one of the hardest sports to to gauge injury wise and to gauge how um conditioned a player is because there's different levels of conditioning right i feel like there are there are those who you know try to get ripped and try to be um you know like an adonis type and and you just have to look at rick dipietro and and how chiseled he was as a goaltender but yet um you know just was not could not hold it together just was not hockey healthy so, you know, similar respect to Eric Carlson looks very trim, very cut, very lean, you know, a, a guy that that is a, looks like an athlete. But over the years, I mean, we've seen that his um, constitution or fortitude or however you want to say his health um, just hasn't been there. And I think Timo is a guy that's a little bit hardier than Eric Carlson. He's played through. Um, injuries and in a guy that um, will leave everything out on the ice. So if the Sharks do not sign him, it, it's going to be a big blow. And I don't know how they replace those points. Um, so, you know, I kind of answered the question in a, you know, they kind of have to, um, you know, they're, they're, you don't want to ever let that kind of young forward slip through. Um, but again, it's a, it's a big piece of chunk of change to sign. Yeah, I mean, uh, every single uh, draft analyst that I've talked to said that this draft is the best draft that is coming up in a long time. Um, the top three picks would probably be first overall in, in the past five drafts. So, um, you know, big, big thing. And you can get multiple first rounders with, from for Timo Meyer, even on a rental 
or a sign and dump or something like that. I think he could get north of 10 mil just because the fact he's a point per game player and a containing team would want something there, knowing that the, the cap's going to go up by $10 million within, you know, four or five seasons. So, I mean, it's going to be something there. It depends on how much they want to do it. They want to do a re not a rebuild, but like a, you know, a refresh, if you will, uh, if they want to keep a, a solid piece there and kind of build around Timo, he is the type of guy that you could do that. But if you're not looking to contend for three, four, five years, he's going to be 32 years old at that point. Is it really something that you want to keep around? And that's something that management's going to have to figure out. Yeah. So going into camp, obviously the big, big news for the Kings, you know, they're bringing in, you know, Kevin Fiala, they're bringing in, uh, you know, Brent Clark hype train going on here about uh, his, his, you know, masterful preseason, a lot of stuff to be excited about. What's, what are the biggest news stories coming out of San Jose? Um, biggest news stories, I think, has been the shift towards more veteran players. Um, we take a look at the roster right now, and a guy like uh, Luke Coonan, uh, uh, Oscar Limbaum, Stephen Lorenz, these are guys that, uh, you know, have come in and been those impediments to the younger forwards uh, trying to get a spot. You had um, both uh, William Eklund and Thomas Bortolo go over uh, with the Sharks to the Czech Republic, um, and they had, I, I would say, Bortolo had the better of the two um, preseasons. You know, I think he had uh, two or three goals and two or three assists. Um, you know, a guy that looks like he's ready uh, to come up um, and, and really a tenacious player. I mean, he's a puck hound. He's a guy that won't get pushed off. He's a little undersized, but I think he, he makes up for it in heart. Um, and a guy that I'd like to see, um, you know, come up with the Sharks, maybe even before an Eklund, because I, I just thought he had a better camp. Um, but the other the other big surprise was that Ryan Merkley, um, the Sharks' first-round pick from 2016, I want to say, um, but first-round pick, defenseman, offensive defenseman, they take a little bit of uh, time to, to ripen up. And... Um, you know, there's there's a, a big gaping hole on the defense where a Burnsy would have gone. And you would have liked to have seen a Ryan Merkley come up and really grab a hold of that spot, you know, uh, the second pairing offensive defenseman, and, and really be able to help drive play from the back end. But unfortunately, um, you know, you, you got a couple of signings in Matt Benning and, um, and uh, let me, let me grab his name, Stephen Harrington, Scott Harrington, excuse me. And um, I was thinking uh, Stranger Things. Um, but uh, Scott Harrington and and Matt Benning kind of added uh, to the roster to really impede um, or, or at least make Ryan Merkley have to have a wonderful camp in order to dazzle and get a spot. Um and, and again, I think Mike Greer, when he came in, he really wanted to put an emphasis on making players earn spots um, and, and being more veteran reliant um, versus relying on your your rookies or your young forwards to try and and backfill. I, I think he doesn't like that. Uh, he didn't like that approach that the Sharks had. And that's something that was immediately changed. And um, again, I think us as Sharks fans kind of have been left wondering why a guy like um, why a guy like Steve Steven Lorenz is playing 
um, minutes over a guy like Thomas Bortolo, who, who for all intents and purposes is, is just a, a better value forward um, and, and a guy that has a higher um, ceiling. Um, but the, the floor is higher with a Steven Lawrence or an Oscar Limbaugh or a Luke Coonan uh, kind of um, they're just guys that I think that, that he has a little bit more um, uh, confidence in. And, and I just don't, don't think that he has a lot of confidence in younger players. Yeah, it seems kind of weird because you guys are moving towards the future but not willing to play some of these guys. Um, Merkley, you would hope. I mean, 2018, he was drafted four years in the league so far, been multiple years in the AHL. You would hope that he would – you know, grasp a spot at least in the top six, right? I mean, or you know, he, but he's not even the seventh defenseman right now. Like he's mm-hmm. he, they're they're putting him down there, and you know, uh, Kings fans are kind of going through that waiting period, right? Alex Turcott has yet to make an impact, top five pick, and you know, you're you're going through that kind of thing. Byfield obviously Stutzla gets the eight year deal. Byfield is still waiting to take off, so uh, Kings fans can empathize with the the envy of of wanting first round picks to hit there. And I'm sure Sharks fans are a little upset that Merkley hasn't really taken that next step uh, to be confident uh, there going forward. We've got another question here from Carter Scores. Uh, is Logan Couture going to finish his career in San Jose? Seems like trading him for assets would be ideal for a rebuild. Uh, but we also know that Kings fans thought that, hey, Dustin Brown should stay his whole career in, in L.A. Uh, instead of trading him away for maybe a third or fourth round pick late in his career. What do you feel like? that situation is going to end up with, with Couture. Well, Couture is the captain, right? And he's um, one of the longest tenured sharks now after, you know, Bernsey being uh, let go or, or traded. Um, I think the only other um, more uh, veteran um, player is Mark Edward Vlasic. And so, you know, with a guy like Logan, it's going to all depend upon what he wants. I think that if he wants to, um, you know, play for a contending team and wants to try to to win a cup before you know he hangs them up. Um, it, it wouldn't be surprising if he if he goes and asks for a trade. Now, I'll, I'll pull up the contract details for Logan Couture. I don't remember if he's got a modified no trade or not. Um, but this is a guy again who came up as a Sharks um, a Sharks prospect from Worcester way back when. Um, a guy that has been playing with San Jose his entire career. And, um, you know, I think a guy that really is comfortable in where he's at. And, again, if he's going to be the one that's going to want to make the move um, and and he's going to be the one that's going to have to push that, um, again, he's on the fourth year of an eight-year contract. Um, You know, his his contract – Value is $64 million a year. Um, and if you look at what his AAV is, it's $8 million. So you'd have to eat a little bit of contract there. And then, yes, it's a modified no trade clause. So it's going to all have to be coming from him. Um, so, again, I think if he wants to, then I think that the Sharks are a good organization and try to do good by their players. I think that they would try to put them in, in a position to, su- to succeed. Um, but also try to get the maximum value from him. Um, but again, he's got to submit a team uh, list of three uh, that he would accept a trade to, and getting those kind of trades to to happen is is difficult when you've got those kind of 
of uh, external stressors like a, a no trade clause. Yeah, it's going to be some. I think it's going to be one of those things where every single uh, trade deadline from here until you know his contract is up, it's going to be whispers, right? So it's going to be something going forward there to be interesting to see what he does. And you know, maybe he just wants to end his career there. You know, I mean, obviously every every player wants to win a cup. You know, sharks aren't in that place right now. Uh, maybe that will grow hungrier for him as his contract gets closer to an end. We'll see how that kind of works out here. Coming into the season. You know, uh, we'll, we'll actually, I'm no, not sure coming here. What do you think the Sharks fans are, have expectations for this year? That was going to be my question. What are the expectations for the Sharks in this upcoming season, in your opinion? I think for me, it's going to be, again, trying to integrate new players. Um, you know, you had a bunch of flux, and especially in the bottom six. So you've got the first part of the season is integrating new players and getting the coaching staff, David Quinn, you know, of course, brand new coach, getting that system to stick. Um, so I, I'd say within the first, let's say, 20 to 30 games, um, I would like to see the team hover around 500, just kind of figuring out the system, figuring out the way in which David Quinn wants to play. Um, and then from there, we can can really say, OK, where where's the, the angle of trajectory pointed on this thing? Um, but again, I, I, I don't think we should be fooling ourselves either this isn't this isn't a team that's gonna compete for for first in the pacific you know i think that there are at least three or four better teams than the sharks in this division um and, and again i think that they're if they compete for a wild card spot i would be happy with that um my expectation is they'll probably fall short again um, maybe even more than they did last year. I think last year they were six or seven points out. I think this year they could even drop a little bit farther down to 10 or, you know, maybe even 14 points out. It just really depends upon what this group is going to, going to gel around. And, and again, you know, they lost both of the, the games and the opening series and it was more of the same. I think better habits and not losing as big, but still losses nonetheless. Is, are you, um, if I were a Sharks fan, uh, I would be on the tank hard for Bedard train already. I'd be having t-shirts made because, uh, you know, by all accounts, he's Connor McDavid reincarnated. And uh, that could be something that really just changes your franchise around. You have Mitch Koff out of Russia. You have, um, you know, the the, sweet, the Swedish wonder there, which is, uh, you know, top three pick. There's going to be some really guys that can change the future of, of a franchise. Are you under the impression that, Hey, let's this let's, let's embrace this. Let's embrace this teardown. Let's do a rebuild the way it's supposed to be done. And let's, you know, it's not fun for fans to tank, but the future might be better for it. Well, if you look at the roster, this looks like a roster to me that was put together to try to compete um, and try and be scrappy, but definitely a lack of talent, you know, a lack of high end talent, especially over on the forward side. You know, I think we're, we're two or three impact forwards, you know, from, from really having a good team here. So again, you know, we're, we're not really in the arc to compete yet. So now, you know, you're talking about um, regaining picks and regaining assets. And, and I think Mike Greer will be um, conscious of that. I, I, I think, you know, you might see a little bit more movement around the trade deadline to try to acquire more pieces for the upcoming draft. You already have two really good blue chippers in in Bordalo and in Eklund, right? And Eklund is is from all accounts is going to be the 
the bat or the Robin to whoever Batman will be, um, you know, as a number one center. So I think the Sharks are still on the lookout for that high end number one prospect that they can pair with um, William Eklund. Uh, so you know they can you know he can start his career with a with a twosome with someone else um, and, and really be able to to thrive off of that player. Um, how that's going to come, whether that's through trades free agency or drafting um i think is anybody's guess but i think mike greer kind of has that highlight um you know that shadow highlight around william eklund's name saying hey i need another prospect to bear with this guy so um again it, it wouldn't would not surprise me if we do see maybe a little bit more movement or um even um maybe a wink wink nudge nudge here there about uh, making playoffs and if they're already out of it by you know let's say the trade deadline that you know maybe you could just go full tank mode and and try and get um, a better shot at a budard or or one of the other forwards um you know that's available so uh you know again it definitely much more of that um rebuilding arc kind of bottoming out if you want to you know want to put it that way i think uh, again you look at them the exodus of talent from last year to this year and you look at it from the prior seasons you know this is a team that can has continually lost you know good pieces um necessitated by the cap and again before that cap goes up i think that they're gonna have to shed some more salary um get a little bit leaner um, from that perspective, then they can have a little bit more flexibility to go some sign some forwards, um, and maybe um, again can integrate some younger players once these these uh, veterans have kind of moved on. But again, it's it's hard because you know you, a guy like Matt Benning was just signed for four years. I mean, like I I, I don't. I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a guy that is signed for 1.25 million. You know, he was the analytics darling because of um, a lot of block shots, but you know, signing that guy for four years and he's a right-handed defenseman. I mean, that's Ryan Merkley's spot, right? I mean, yeah. you know, that that's, that's, that's a guy that's directly being placed in front of Ryan Merkley. And, you know, Merkley has said all the right things in the Barracuda training camp and hasn't been pouty and hasn't been, um, you know, too emotional about not getting the spot. But it is a different message being sent than than from the previous regime. And I think the players kind of just need to figure out their way in this system. And I, and I think we're just starting to figure out where the tendencies lie with both David Quinn and Mike Greer. Before we get to the last couple of questions, a little word from our sponsors here at DraftKings. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Do you want to bet on the opener for the Kings on Tuesday? Lay down your tough odds and win $200. If that isn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts. With same game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. 
Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's go THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Well, we're talking about youth. Carter Scores comes in here with another question here. Which Sharks prospect do you feel highest on? And then maybe which Sharks prospect will have the most impact this season? Okay, Thomas Bordalo is going to be the guy that I feel the highest on right now. Um, like I said before, he had a little bit better of a camp than Eklund did. But another guy that I liked um, was Daniele Gushkin. He had a very good camp. He had a hat trick in the final uh, preseason before they went out to Germany and playing the Ice Baron. Um, so you know, those are two guys that I highlighted that had some that had really good camps um, that I feel kind of highest on in the organization at the moment. If you're just talking about overall talent and who has the best talent within the Sharks pool, it's got to be William Eklund, right? I mean, the guy um, was a steal at where we got him in the draft, um, a guy that has the talent. Um, but again, I think he's still adapting a little bit to the North American ice and still there's a little bit of of um, filling out he has to do with, with his uh, stature and things like that. Um, Thomas Bordolo doesn't require uh, or not require, but doesn't really utilize his size in the same way that a William Eklund would do to, to shield the puck. He's more of a, of a undersized forward, but a more of a skill um, type guy who got a very good sauce pass and and has got a wicked wrister. So, um, you know, Thomas Bordolo to me is a guy that's more NHL ready than William Eklund is right now. I think uh, a guy like Thomas Bordolo could get, put on the third line and, and do well and and thrive there. I'm, I'm not sure you'd want to do that to Eklund. I think he's a top six forward or don't play him at all uh, type of forward. And I think that that's where he needs to be deployed. So, so for me, it's, it's, it's boards. Um, but uh, again, you know, the, this team has got uh, a few forwards that I'm kind of looking at, like, okay, where are we at guys? Like as a wise black, you know, a guy that's going to um, start on the Barracuda, um, uh, you have Brandon Coe, another guy that I'm very uh, excited to see down on the Barracuda and stuff. And so just having those young players all play together uh, on the Cuda, I think is going to be the best thing for them. Um, but I do think we'll see either Thomas or William um, get a call up and, and get some time in the NHL this season, especially if we think it's going to go a little sideways. You know, it could be that that king that uh carrot dangle at the end of the season to to bring them up so um for me it's going to be um it's going to be interesting to see how they end up handling these these guys and, and how they end up integrating them in back into the roster and uh, if they even get some time up at the big club this year i mean i think kings fans are still waiting for some of these prospects that they've been so high on to come up and make some noise cali of uh and velardi though led the team in points in the preseason obviously the major starters you know, like Kopitar and Fiala don't play as many games as those young guys do, but it's good to see that they're finally starting to make an impact. I'm sure Sharks fans are going to be buying their AHL TV packages to, to see some of the, the prospects come up there. Last question before I let you go there, Landy. Uh, we already talked about expectations from fans. If you were to look in your crystal ball and do a little seance, where, do you, where are you thinking that this season's going to end up if you were to look forward? Okay, if I'm if I'm looking at it, um, you know, from a from a perspective of of where this team is going to end up, 
first off, I, I don't think that there's any illusions. There's going to be two teams from the Central that are going to win the wild cards, I think, in the West. I think the Central just has all the power. The Pacific Division really just, I mean, outside of um, Edmonton, who I think will win the division. Um, you've got Calgary, who had a lot of flux this year. Um, you've got a up-and-coming Los Angeles Kings team. You've got an up-and-coming Anaheim Ducks team. Don't look look out, but um, you know the Seattle Kraken are starting to amass pieces and stuff too. Although I don't think that they're gonna gonna make a run for the division or anything like that. But like I was saying, I, I don't even think the Sharks are the fourth best team in the Pacific. I, I you know they're they're either fourth or fifth. And again, I just don't see them having the horses to compete. I mean, in my bracket, I had um, I had Edmonton winning the, the Pacific. I had uh, the Kings at third, I think. And then at second, I mean, I just put Calgary there, but they could fall flat on their face just as well as, you know, maybe even making a run for first place. I just don't know because of how much flux was in that team. But, you know, when you add a guy like Huberto, um, you know, a, a proven point getter um, and some other sneaky good picks that Calgary's got, I think that they could could stay around. So for the Sharks, I, I suspect a seventh place finish in the in the um, well, let's see. No, not seventh. I would say ninth place. Right. Because you have the the three division. You have the three tops in the division. So. And then two wild cards, right? So so eight total spots, and I think that they'll probably finish right outside of that ninth or tenth um, in the West. And 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 again, I think it's it's going to be more of the same, and it might even be worse than it was last year. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would. I I think that you're a little maybe a little higher than uh, a lot of us are, but again, I am a Kings fan, and uh, I don't really care for. The, the Sharks doing well, nor do I want you to get some lottery luck and get Bedard either. I don't want to see that guy in the West for, for years. So you'd rather um, see us of eighth or ninth. <laughs> yeah, well, a little, little less lottery luck for you guys. Uh, you know, the, the the tale of two blades, as they call it. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be an interesting season there. I mean, obviously, I think it was more the same of last season where if the, if the stars can carry you consistently – you're going to win some games there, but it's also going to come down to, hey, it's hard to do that. It's hard to be on your game every single year. You need the second, third, and fourth lines to back you up when the first line isn't doing well. And we saw that for a long time with the Kings, that Kopitar was really the only line that ever worked. And, you know, that's why the team uh, amassed all those picks as they did. So we'll see how that works out. I mean, I think the Pacific's going to be a lot better than what it was last year. I think that there's going to be also a, a log jam teams for, you know, three through five or three through six, because I think, the middle of the pack got better, I think. And then, you know, you're not going to have as many 110-point teams or 105-point teams. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a logjam. So it should be some still some good hockey. Well, you know, and I appreciate you coming on here, Landy. I know it's early for you over there. So I hope, you know, get out, you know, enjoy the sunshine and uh, watch some football there. I know the Niners are coming on at 3 o'clock uh, for all you Northern California. And uh, this Texas guy right here going to be throwing on my jersey uh, very soon. But I appreciate you coming on. Uh, any last words for you, my man? Uh, no, just thank you very much. And thank you, uh, to all your listeners. Um, you know, it, I might have, uh, you know, the, the biggest spot against, um, 
against the Kings, right? But at the end of the day, I like to see California hockey do well. I think when when any of the teams in California do well and represent our state, um, you know, I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, you know, even though it is LA, but you know, we can't all be perfect. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's going to be interesting, uh, interesting times for California. Cause I think you've got, um, you know, the Trevor Zegras's of the world and the, you know, the Craig McTavish, uh, you know, over on, on the ducks. And I think he's going to, um, really, really start to elevate that team. I think that that team could, could, um, maybe turn some heads. And I think LA as well, they, they've got a team that, is starting to have that good mix of veteran and young players. And I think now we'll start to see maybe a guy like um, Byfield or a guy like um, uh, Velarde uh, really start to, to morph the season. And then that's why I said, I picked you guys to be third in the division, because I, I just think that this is, you're, you're kind of on the upswing now. And, and I like the, the ads that you had in the off season with, um, Dino and Fiala, um, you know, and, and Kempe and just another year of Adrian Kempe, um, and, and Kaliev as well. I mean, these are guys that I think are in a good position to, you know, start to, to, to be better. And, and I think with a guy like Anze Kopitar leading the, um, you know, leading the charge, I think that this could, this team could surprise and, and could pull up third in, in this division. So um excited for California hockey, because it seems like the, the two Southern California teams are on the upswing Um and, you know, the Sharks have some work to do, but we're, we're getting there. And I think we've got a good direction now. And I think, you know, the regime change has kind of refocused uh the organization and, and really put an emphasis on drafting and developing where it should have been. Yeah. Well, uh, follow uh, Eric Landy at Eric Landy and at Teal uh, Town USA for all your Sharks news, uh, whether we, when we're playing them or if you just want to see what's going on in the Pacific, you can't get enough hockey here for California hockey. Go ahead and uh, uh, go on our website at HockeyRoyalty.com for all your articles. Follow us at Hockey underscore Royalty. Follow me at RandoCommando24. It's going to be a fun year, man. Hockey starts next week for us. It's already started for you guys. Good to see the puck drop. And as always on this podcast, go Kings go. <laughs> Thanks.